Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. So today, um, I'm going to preach what's called a dialogical sermon. Have you ever heard that term before? Probably not. Preachers know that term. Um, But most Sundays when a preacher gets up here, it's a monologue, meaning that the, the preacher, one person, does all the talking. And we at Church of the Well, we call those sermons conversation starters. Because even though there's not dialogue happening in the sermon while the sermon's going on, we're hoping that dialogue is going to happen after. But a dialogical sermon is something different. A dialogical sermon um, encourages dialogue during the sermon, and in fact, it doesn't work unless there is dialogue, unless there's talking back and forth, okay? And so if you want a sermon today, you have to participate with me. If you don't participate with me, we'll be out of here in like 10 minutes, okay? So I'll know if you want to leave or not. And, and it also means that you can't complain that the sermon was bad because you had a hand in it, okay? So it's, you have a role to play today. Um, before we start, though, we need to elect a scribe, somebody who's going to take this giant marker on this board here, and just write down some observations that they hear as we're talking. So you and I are all going to be talking. We need a scribe to come up, and they're just going to record stuff they hear, words they hear, phrases they hear, what they're observing. And the only requirement is you have to have better handwriting than me, which is everyone in this room. And so can, can we get a scribe volunteer? Yeah, come on up. Come on up. Awesome. Can we give a round of applause for our scribe? Awesome. And I even got a nice chair for you, Elena. You can sit down, and, and when it's time for you to go at it, you can go at it. Okay. Um, our passage today that we're going to look at comes from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And, and you actually have a seat for a few minutes, and then when, we, when it's time to record, I'm going to let you know, and you're just going to go mad on those. And each, each paper is a verse, so we'll get to that. All right. Here we go. 2004. I got to see the scroll of Isaiah, the great Isaiah scroll. Does anybody know what I'm referring to? When I, has anybody heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Okay, so in 2004, the Canadian Museum of Civilization in Ottawa had the Dead Sea Scrolls um, for exhibit for about two months. And so I went up there to see it. And um, for those who don't know what the Dead Sea Scrolls are, it's one of the biggest archaeological finds in the 20th century. Uh, in 1947, there was a shepherd boy throwing rocks. And he threw a rock in a, in a cave and heard something smash. So he went up and found these jars with all these old ancient texts in them. And, and there were 12 caves, and over the, a number of several years after that, they discovered over 900 texts in these, in these jars, including every book of the Old Testament except for Ezra, or Esther and Nehemiah. And what was significant about this find was some of these writings were a thousand years older than the oldest writings we had. And so that was significant, right? Um, And one of those jars included an almost complete 2,000-year-old copy of the book of Isaiah nearly all 66 chapters. And so I went to the museum, and they had this glass kind of safe, and they had part of the Isaiah scroll in there. 
and it was temperature controlled, and there was a light that came on every three to four minutes, a light would come on for about 30 seconds and then turn off because they didn't want the, the document to be, to be damaged. And so I got to see that scroll, and it was a really neat thing for me as a pastor to look at this 2,000-year-old copy of Isaiah. And a little bit about Isaiah, he was an aristocrat. He was sent by God to kings who wouldn't listen to him. And so he didn't have a single convert. He wasn't a successful minister in that sense, but he had a powerful prophetic ministry. And he was best known for his messianic prophecy, which means that, that he foretold the ministry of Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. And one of his most famous messianic uh, prophecies came from the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And that's, that chapter is titled, The Suffering Servant. And let me just read a couple of verses from this chapter so I can show you what, what I mean. Verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And so the whole chapter, Isaiah 53, goes on and on and on like this right, foretelling what Jesus would do for us. Well, the passage that we're going to look at today is Isaiah chapter 55, just two chapters later, and it's filled with invitation after invitation after invitation, and there's several unique invitations in these nine verses, and according to Isaiah, these invitations are only possible because of what the suffering servant, what Jesus did. And so in 53, chapter 53, he talks about the suffering servant, Jesus' ministry. And then in 54 and 55 are all these invitations because of the work that Jesus did for us. And so what we're going to do today, the rest of our time, is read these nine verses, verse by verse, and make a list of all the invitations we see. And this is where you're going to help me. We're going to put up the verse, we're going to read it together, and then you're going to tell me what invitations you see in that verse, and our scribe, Lana, is going to write all, the, all of that down. Everything she's hearing, she's just going to write down. Okay, you ready to do this? Okay, verse 1. Let's read it together. Remember, we're looking for invitations. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So what invitations do we see? in that first verse. There are no wrong answers. These are not going to be trick questions. We're just making observations. So whatever you say, it's, it's going to be fine. Don't, you don't even have to, have to raise your hand. Just shout it out. Come all. Yep. What else? Eat. Yep. What other invitations do you see here? Come to the waters. Who's being invited? Yep. People who have no money. What else? Yep. Thirsty. Come you who are thirsty. Thirsty for what? Any guesses? Wine and milk? Nourishment. Yep. Waters is mentioned there. Yeah, it won't cost anything. 
Well, you're, you're going to get double time and a half for this. <laughs> Anything else that you notice for invitations? In, in Scripture, a lot of times, thirst and water is associated with life in the Spirit of God, right? In John chapter 4, we see Jesus at a well, and he's having an interaction with a Samaritan woman. And Jesus says, if you would have known, I would have given you living water. And you would never thirst again, and out of your belly would flow living water. And so a lot of times, water and thirst talk about uh, the life that we have in the Spirit, the Spirit of God. Um, you have no money. So there's an invitation here that you noticed that that's to people with no means, no resources, an invitation to, to the poor to receive the nourishment that, that they desperately need. And then it says, buy wine and milk without money or cost. What are some ways you can buy things without money? Any ideas? What's that again? If you exchange or trade. Yep, what else? Credit card. Yeah, it's, it's funny, John, my kids, they, they've never seen me carry money. So my son Josh goes, Dad, you got your credit card? <laughs> if he wants something. That's all, that's all I know. Credit. You can buy stuff on credit. What's, what's another way you can buy stuff? Yeah, you can work for it. You, you can barter um, labor, right? What if somebody already paid for it? So I, I was at Home Depot. You know the hot dog stand at Home Depot? They have great hot dogs with sauerkraut and onions and all the spicy mustard and stuff. So whenever I go to Home Depot, I'm a sucker. I always get my hot dog. And I'm in line one day, and the guy in front of me, we're chatting. I can't remember. We were just chatting about sports or whatever. And um, when it was his turn to get to the line, he said to the, to the guy behind the hot dog stand, hey, get my buddy here. I didn't even know his name. Get my buddy here, a, a dog, too, and a drink on me, and he paid for it. And so I got to, to buy something that I didn't have money for, Right? So these are all good observations. We're going we're gonna to move on to the next verse. And if you flip that over, we have verse 2. And let's read this one together. Isaiah 55, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. So what invitation do we find in verse 2? Listen. Yeah, and it's said twice, right? Listen, listen. So it's like extra listen. Yep, listen and eat what is good. Eat what is good. Listen to who? So if Isaiah's the prophet, he's speaking on behalf of God, right? So it's listening to God, God, God and his word. And, and the implication here is that by, by listening, we're going to receive something good. What might that be? Any guesses? No wrong answers. Why don't we leave a question mark there and we'll come back to it when we tie all these together. Um, so just put a big question mark on the board there. Perfect. Let's go to verse 3. Verse 3. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. So, invitations here in this verse. Listen again. Yep, give ear. Listen. What else? Come to me. Yep. So, the, those are kind of repeat invitations. He's repeating again. Is there any other invitations you see in there? Yeah, participate in a covenant. Hmm. Yeah. 
I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. So a covenant is a promise between two parties. It's an agreement. It's a relational promise. And, and we know all throughout Scripture that God makes covenant with people time and time again. So God's this covenant-making God where he makes this agreement with people all through Scripture. And this specific covenant, there's a little clue of which one he's talking about. He, he, he says this, my faithful love promised to David. And so there's a clue here um, referring to something called the Davidic covenant. Um, where God made a covenant with King David, and God promised David in this covenant that one of his heirs, a son of David, would sit on the throne forever and ever, and and he would set up a righteous, loving, peaceful, and everlasting kingdom. And so there's some kind of invitation here to participate in that covenant, right? So let's keep reading. Verse 4 and 5, we'll read these together. See, I have made him a witness to the people's a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. And so this is a continuation of the previous verse that there's this heir of David, the son of David, who, who would reign forever. But there's also an invitation here. Anybody want to take a guess at what the invitation would be? What invitation do you see here in this verse? I would, I would say that there's an invitation of influence and hospitality, right? The nations will run to you. So there's a, maybe protection and provision and gen, generosity. I see an invitation to generosity here, a benevolence that, that points to God's goodness. Yeah. That's good, Harold. Yeah, to know who you are. An invitation to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God for he will freely pardon. Okay, invitations. What do we see in this verse? Invitations to do what? Seek the Lord, yeah. And seek his name, yeah. Call on his name. What else? There's an urgency in that. It says, while he may be found, right? So there's this urgency involved. Any other invitations you see? Yeah, turning around, repentance, changing course. Forsaking, forsaking ways and thoughts, right? And so there's, a, there's an invitation there to, to, to change your mindset, your thinking, your values, your behaviors, uh, to turn to the Lord. And what, what is offered when we do that? Yeah, forgiveness, pardon. Um, yeah, grace. Okay, last two verses. Let's read these two verses together. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what's the invitation in these two verses? Anyone want to take a guess? What's the invitation here in these two verses? 
how about, how about not limiting God? Right? There's an invitation here to not put God in a box, not to limit him to our own understanding, right? Because his ways are, are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so I think there's an invitation here to, to um, not attempt to limit God to our own understanding, right? Humbly accept that, that, that God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. Yeah, perspective. Yeah, an invitation to gain perspective, God's vantage point, God's viewpoint. That's awesome. Anything else? Know our own limits. Yeah, invitation to know our own limits. Hmm. Humility. Definitely an invitation for humility. Yeah, to participate in heavenly thinking. For sure. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. You notice we got a lot of invitations out of there. Can we give a round of applause to Elena, who is working so hard, writing all this down for us? Thank you. Um, so let me just take a minute here, and we're going to piece some of these invitations together. And then lastly, what I want to do is I want to offer you a few ideas on how to respond to these invitations. So one thing about this passage of Scripture, the reason I, I chose it today, is because these invitations line up really well with the season of Lent. And Lent is a season on the church calendar. It's 40 days leading up to Easter where we focus on repentance in preparation for the celebration of Jesus' resurrection where he conquers sin and death for us, right? And so there's some invitations that we all picked out. We wrote them down. We talked about them. Let me tie them together and rehearse them really quick. And then I'm going to offer you some ideas or some ways to respond to these invitations. And so verse 1, there's an invitation for the thirsty to come and, and to buy and eat without money. Those who are thirsting for the life that, that God alone can give have access to this free living water and nourishment for their soul. And, and the price has already been paid by Jesus for us, right? So it, it's free to us. Verse 2, there's an inv invitation to listen and, and eat what is good, to, to feast on the nourishment that Jesus provides instead of spending all of our resources, our time, and our energy on things that don't satisfy, right? Very Lenten practice there. There's an invitation in verse 2 to listen to God's word. It's interesting that the Gospel of John says this about Jesus, that he was the word made flesh and dwelled among us. Um, during one of Jesus' teachings, Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. So there's invitation to eat and to listen. In verse 3, there, there's an invitation through Jesus into, the covenant, into covenant with God, that, that you and I get to participate and practice God's justice, his shalom, his hospitality, his generosity to the world. Uh, we get to invite and welcome others into the family of God. Uh, in verse 6 through 7, we see an invitation to, to seek God and to call on his name with, with urgency to repent of our sinful ways and patterns and thoughts and, and values and, and turn to the Lord and receive pardon and, and forgiveness and, and mercy. And then in verse 8 and 9, there's an invitation to, to humbly accept that God's ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Okay, so now that we've highlighted some of these invitations and, and listed them all, tied them a bit together, let me provide you with some ideas on how to respond to these invitations, because it's one thing to, to, to hear an invitation, but then how do I go about responding to this? 
And so I've got a list to put up, and we're just going to walk through this really quick. The first response idea that I have for you is just to trust in Jesus, to trust in the work he did for us on the cross, that it's enough, and to quit trying to earn our way to God. You know, the scripture makes it clear that, that our good works and deeds are a response to his love, not a way to earn his love, right? And so we can just trust in Jesus that what he did is enough, that he paid and, and, and it's free, right? And then our good deeds and works are a response to that generosity and love. The second thing that we can do is a response to this passage and these invitations is to give up something. Give up something that's distracting us, um, that's malnourishing our souls, right? So, so we can focus uh, more on feasting on God, on the nourishment that God provides. In the Bible, there's a, a word for this called fasting, and, and usually it means giving up food. Um, you have to be careful, especially if you have like eating disorders or if you have health issues. Fasting might, fasting food anyway, might not be the best decision for you. Uh, but there's other ways to fast, right? We can fast social media and electronic devices and Netflix. There's all kinds of things that we can fast. And what fasting does, the scripture tells us, is it, is it postures us to focus more on feasting on God, the things of God, instead of the things that sometimes uh, leave us empty or, or wanting for more. I have a friend who gave up talking about themselves for Lent. And they have a rule that the only time they can talk about themselves is if somebody asks them a question Otherwise, for 40 days leading up to Easter, all they'll do is listen and ask questions. That's really hard. But the reason they're doing that is because it's helping them focus more on God, listening more, not just to God, but to my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers and um, people I interact with. So what can we give up that would allow us to focus and, and feast on God more? A third, third idea, way to respond to this passage is to carve out time to listen to God. Carve out time to listen to God. We, we, we notice that the word listen, give me your ear, came up several times, right? So how do we listen to God? Well, there's different ways we can listen to God. One of them is just reading scripture, right? We open up God's word and we read it and we just sit in it and we listen. Um, we can listen to God by spending time outside enjoying God's creation, going on, going on a walk, even a prayer walk, right? We can listen to God while we're sitting in silence or listening to some music, making time in our day to listen to that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I think it was Jordan, who, or maybe it was John. Yeah, it was John who referred today about that, that we're always running. It's always a marathon, a race, right? Sometimes we need to lay down in the dirt and just listen be present with God. Um, another way to respond to this passage is participate in God's justice. Right? We, we have a, a tree out in the lobby, and, and this tree has all these little hearts dangling from it, and these little hearts have supplies that we're trying to provide for our Afghani neighbors, new Americans who just relocated here. And, and I want to encourage you, grab those hearts. I don't want to see any hearts on those trees next week. <laughs> We have a guest coming next week. Her name's Lisa, and she works with the New American Population in Burlington. She's going to talk about some of the work that they're doing and, and what is needed. 
And, and I would love it if our church community would just practice God's justice and say, you know what, these people are in real need. They've been displaced from their home and thrown into Vermont and don't know anybody or anything, and they need some certain supplies. They're all on that tree. Just grab some hearts. There's a few items out there that you can um, read that are on those hearts and just bring those in. We've got a couple more weeks for that. The community garden project. Just, just find something to serve and volunteer for that's bigger than you. That's a way to respond to this passage. That's a Lenten response to this passage, right? Okay, two more. Practice repentance. So you might not know this, but repentance is something that has to be practiced. You practice it. And the more you practice it, the more it becomes second nature. It's like anything else. If you practice an instrument, if you practice a sport, if you practice a an event, or the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. And repentance is practice. And so you, here's a way to respond to this passage. Practice asking God for forgiveness when we fall short. Practice asking God for the strength to turn away from sinful patterns. Right? Just practice. Get in the routine of repentance. Um, and then finally, Last response to this passage, last Lenten response, is to humbly acknowledge your limited understanding. Admit that you don't have all the answers to know everything, which can be really hard, right? And so these are some Lenten practices and responses to this passage in Isaiah. And, and what I want to do um, is just pray a blessing over you, and then we're going to sing together. But I really hope and pray that, that you take one or two of these and you say, hey, you know what? This week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice those. I'm going to respond to this passage in Isaiah this way or these ways. And so let me just pray a prayer of blessing and I'll invite the worship band to come up too and lead us in one closing song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the, the season of Lent that the season in the church calendar, these 40 days, where we can focus our hearts and our minds and even our physical bodies on repentance and preparation for Easter, for resurrection, for, for what Jesus did on, did on the cross and, and how he rose from the grave and how he conquered sin and death and how he offers that to us, that gift of abundant life. And Lord, I pray uh, as we reflect on this passage that we read today, as we reflect on these, um, just some of the ways to respond to these invitations that we found. God, that you would give us the courage and the boldness to, to step into these practices. That we would take responsibility to respond to these invitations, that we would not take them for granted, but we would recognize that what the suffering servant provided for us is right there in front of us, and we only need to receive it and to respond. So God, I pray that you would give my friends clarity. I pray you would give them um, margin in their lives um, so that they could practice responding to these invitations. And I pray that you would meet us in each one of these as we make our efforts to do so. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for everything that you're doing in our lives. Um, and we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. 
For more information about Church of the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.